Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Skirt. So, <laughs> I said I was giving up coffee, but man, I need it this morning. You just giving it up? Yeah. Why, why is that? I just feel like we're not supposed to drink coffee like the way I drink it. Like straight black coffee, cool, but like my coffee's like hot chocolate basically. With sugar and milk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not even coffee at all. But I'm trying to come back to life. How you feeling, bro? Man, I'm uh in in better spirits than you. Mm. Because I, I knew my <laughs> limits. I knew when to stop. Dave definitely hit the Homer Simpson gif where he just fades into the bushes and <laughs> <laughs> as, as the night progressed. So oh, y'all niggas is drunk, drunk. Okay, I'm gone. It's funny because I had to <laughs> I had to learn the Irish goodbye because mm. I used to be one of those guys that used to just say bye to everybody just at the party. to shake everybody up. Every, like, it would be like 100 people at the party. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. All right, I'm out. All right, all right bye. I da- used to do that too. Dap them up. My wife be ready to go. So I just like, all right, everybody, peace. Do that wave peace. But man, this is the Life is Dope Podcast. I'm Graffiti. And I'm Davey. All right, man. We got another special episode today. Always, yeah. Before we get into the guests, uh, you want to get into these 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 Grammys real quick? You know, let, let's pay some bills. Uh, first of all... I like uh, that, too. Uh, this episode of Life is Dope is brought to you by Mez Brands. Hey. Mez Brands is not just a, only a lifestyle brand, but also a vape company. Uh, do make sure that you are 21 years or up or older. You can find... 21 years... Or up or older uh, or up, I get what you mean. In, in, in height and age, uh, mainly mostly age. Um, you can also find Mez Brands products at your local dispensary. Hey. Uh, get tuned in, not tuned out. Work. That's right. Uh, be an adult. Stop. Yeah. Stop showing up to work smelling like loud. I know, man. Knock it off. There's no scent, and it tastes good. Go ahead and get you some Mez. Quit, quit, quit busting down the uh, black and mild and. Make it blunts like yo, that's nasty. Y'all still y'all still busting down the black and miles in the parking lot. Get mad. What is this, man? Don't do that. Get mad like an adult. Get mad, man. Um, who else is is giving us money? Uh, (laughs) Well, when you say it like that, (laughs) I mean it's the same as pay bills. Shouts to Connect for Help Colorado. We lit. Connect for Help Colorado, man. Um, guys. why are you running around here with no health insurance? We got to get that health insurance, man. And they can help you find the right premiums. All that, man. Connect for Health Colorado. Connectforhealthco.com. That's right. Yeah. And uh, be sure to also get it for, before the deadline. There are deadlines. Mm. Super important. No, but seriously, all jokes aside, get you some insurance, man. You can't get another body, for real. As I drank my coffee. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you only you only have one life, so take care of it. Hey, now back to the show. No, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait. somebody else? Uh. Hold up, no, save all the rest to the end of the The, show We can plug it again, it's our show Well, we bought the plug though Oh yeah, okay, yeah, we gotta plug that Yeah, (laughs) 2000s, early 2000s What a great time, do you all agree? But we rocking, we bringing it back Man, the 106 and party at Ophelia Is, I'm about to say October December 28th At Ophelia is the 106 and party All early 2000s, everything yeah, so bring your do rags, mm-hmm. bring your uh, jersey dresses. Yes, it is dress code, not just 
music. Not so. just music, yeah. Yeah, man, get them big-ass jeans you've been waiting to wear. I'm wearing like eight jerseys <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I got like six headbands. <laughs> yeah, man. We going in, though. Hey, that's it? I think that's it. Cool. Yeah? Back to the show. Back to the show. <laughs> we always say back to the show like the show stopped. Like, it's still going. But, uh, yeah, man, these Grammys. Yeah. I want to I wanna bring the guest in on the conversation, but... Yeah, let's do it. She ain't rocking with the, <laughs> <laughs> rocking with the Grammys. After she, after she just said she only listens to But I do want to introduce her because we got this thing where we're like, we just be talking and our guests be sitting there like, so when do I talk? Yeah, anytime. This is the part. Anytime. So, special guest in the building today. Ooh. You may have heard her on Boss Up with BBI podcast. Okay. You know what? We're about to just just get to straight to it. All right. We got Jice Johnson in the building. Yeah, yeah. How you feeling? I'm good. Like, I'm with you. I'm with the coffee. Hey, so hey, I'm good. Hey. For the people who don't know, who are you? What do you do? I'm Jice Johnson. Um coming. I'm here now. I've been here in Denver for a few years, but coming from Oakland, California. Hey. Gotta make sure I oh. let everybody know where I'm really from. Okay. Um, but I am all black everything. So I'm here about the empowerment of the black people, the black community, all across the diaspora. I feel like we need to unify and um I'm just doing my part in that. Word. Ooh, the the diaspora. I'm all black everything. Word of the day. Yeah, I, I know that that's who diaspora. We're gonna keep saying that word. <laughs> that's our word of the day. All black everything. And you came from Oakland. Definitely. Why Denver from Oakland? So I didn't come from Oakland. Um, I went to the military um, after leaving uh, Oakland, and I actually landed in in Atlanta. Mm. Atlanta is not the spot for me. That's what I learned. No, um, I'm not a big time partier. So um, if if you if you like to party, Atlanta might just really be the spot. But right. um, I just wanted, I, you know, I had a daughter at the time. I was uh, wanting to just look for something a little bit more wholesome, and. Um, I actually picked Denver out of a magazine, so it was uh, wow. top 50 best places to live. Oh, Denver wow. was not included in there, but Metro Denver was, so like Highlands Ranch and um, Broomfield and places like that, so mm, I um, yeah. <laughs> they were. What magazine was it? Um, I don't even remember. It was I'm just like- it, it wasn't, it wasn't by us. Like a, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, because they had everywhere. It was like all across the country. Okay. And so um, I was looking between here and Albuquerque. I was like, oh, I can't afford to move back to Oakland. Mm. Tired of being over here down kind of like, you know, the east, south kind of area. And I was ready to go. So um flipped a coin between Albuquerque and Denver. Oh, wow. It landed on Denver. I came uh. out for a visit. And um, I'd never seen the mountains look the way they did. Like, I was driving west on I-70, and I was just completely in awe. And a couple months later, I was here. Wow. So. Yeah, you would have been super bored in Albuquerque. Yeah. Everyone says that. Shout I mean, it, listening look, to it was on the list. <laughs> yeah, shout out to New Mexico. Yeah, man. We rock with y'all. Y'all lit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we take the mountains for granted out here. Yeah. Oh, definitely. When people come to Colorado, like they're like, yo, y'all got like mountain mountains. Mountain mountains. Yeah, but we see them so much, we don't even, we don't even care. Like, yeah, the mountains just help me know which way is west. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. So you made your way to Denver. Yeah. All black, everything. So you got out here like, you know what? Where the black people at? Or what happened? Well, I actually got out here. Um, I moved to southeast Aurora. So okay. I was down there by Southlands where there ain't nobody black. Okay. Um, I was down there for a few years. And... Had to start making my way up north. It was it was really cool. Like when you have a small child. So when I moved out here, my daughter was four. Um, 
it was cool. It was like park systems and all the trails. I mean, we don't have that in Oakland for sure. They don't have that in Atlanta. So it was real nice to see, you know, to be able to just walk outside in my backyard and it's beautiful weather and I can do whatever I want with my kid, movies, you know, real close by shopping. So I was cool for a couple of years and then I got real bored. Like, look, you single, you black, you down here. There's not a lot going on. And then um, started making my way up north. And uh, I think that's actually when I kind of got plugged in with Shop Talk Live. That really opened me up to where the black folks was at. Shouts to Shop Talk Live. Word. Okay. So it so to me, it's it seems like you specialize in helping businesses get started, mm-hmm. uh, really helping them out with their processes. Uh, would you be able to talk more about what it is that you do specifically or, or, or how that you help or what your technique is? Sure. So a um, few years ago, ran into, like I said, Shop Talk Live um, was there. And I guess it was kind of a, a mix of everything because I don't think I started off like being all black everything. Um, and Oakland is like real multicultural. Mm-hmm. I think Oakland gets a bad rap, but if you actually get there and see, it's not a whole lot. I mean, let me not say it's not a whole lot of black folks. It's a whole lot of everybody, right? Right, right. So so I grew up in this real multicultural type of situation, but still, you know, what I've always brought to the table was I fight for what I believe in. So um, this was kind of all happening around the same time. It's like you had... Trayvon Martin happening, um, that was real, that was a kind of a, a wake up call. And at the same time, around the same time, you had uh, Hidden Colors coming out. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching Hidden Colors and Shout as I'm Tariq. thinking through, um, you know, what I'm hearing and what I'm, what I'm listening to, it's like, how, you know, how could all this, how could we not know some of this? So now I start digging. Right. And the more I start digging, I think there was another book by Dennis Kimbrough called, um, I think it's called Black Wealth. No, I think it's called The Wealth Choice. And so right around that time, I'm also reading all these stories, like stories that we don't know about. That was the first time I really started getting into, like, Black Wall Street. And mm. I'm thinking, how do we not know this? Right. So the more that I started digging, um, it was like instantly I felt like, okay, here's something that I think is wrong. And now how do I start fighting for what I want to do? How, how do I start fighting for what I think is right? So as I started looking at solutions and what do we need to do um, – it was like, okay, well, black folks are starting businesses, but they don't really know how to start a business. Right. We just, we got a passion. We're good at something. We just go in, we say we're doing it. So we really kind of doing a hobby. That's, that's true. <laughs> right. And we don't know really how to monetize. We don't know how to do it right. You got people like, yo, can you pay me cash? You know, in 2018, you should not be like, no, nah, I don't take a card. It just, Man. It just shouldn't happen, right? Mm. But <laughs> they don't under, you know, it's like we get afraid to kind of go into how to set up something properly. I don't have an EIN number. I don't know what you mean in my register. You know, so I started looking at those types of things and saying, okay, well, how can I give us more business education? Mm-hmm. Um, so not necessarily that I went in saying, how do I help us start businesses? I think we can start them, but how do I help us really get to a place where we're monetizing and that we can actually build something that could be passed on? Right. So then we start talking about intergenerational wealth. That's real. Like we'll get ideas, just do it and then just be doing it and not realize we don't even know what we don't know. Cause a lot of people do that. Like, well, what's the tax ID? And I, and the, in my world, I get all the, can I just pull up on you with cash? And I'm right. like, bro, we got <laughs> 17 different money transferring apps in the right. world. And you still try to pull up with cash. But people just don't know. Right. So, And 20% of the black community is not banked. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think when we start thinking about that, 
you know, one of the things that I love about us, but I also think it's so important, every time we think about what's wrong in the black community, we're not thinking about how far and deep and systemic that it is. So I get that we don't get, we, you know, still operate in cash because a significant amount of us don't deal with the banking system at all. Right. Yeah. Right. So why do you think that is? Historically? Or yeah. just, yeah, historically or in general. Is it, is it, was it more like just the history of, of you know, biased banking practices right. or? Um, I think if you really dig all the way back historically, and, and I don't profess to have all the answers, but the general, you know, picture is that there's this trust issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so black folks have had banking institutions. We've started banking institutions, but because we've never had laws that have been in place to protect us, and even mm-hmm. when you have laws that have been created, they haven't been enforced in the black community. Right. So we have a banking institution, and if you go back just a, just a few generations, I mean, quite le- quite. Um, literally, you have white folks who come in and have taken money out of our banks, and there's no legal recourse. Right. So at that point. It's like, well, don't put your money there. Mm-hmm. And then when they say, don't put your money there, so now what are we doing? We're putting it under the mattress. We're burying it in the backyard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then your grandmother is raising you, and your grandmother is of that mindset, right? right. So then she ain't telling you to go down and open up a bank account. Yeah. Get that brown paper bag. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. man, that's kind of depressing because when we were setting up the company account, I was, like, actively trying to find a black bank. To bank with. There's not one in Colorado. And it's just like, man, like, there's not one. <laughs> but there's not one in a lot of places. There's not one in a lot of places. Now, I do, like, I bank on a personal level with One United because they are inter- an internet banking system, or they have an internet banking component. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I can't bank with them for business because you can't sign up online with them for business. Exactly. So. Mm. The struggle. Mm-hmm. Let's get some more black banks. That's true. But then we're going to hit another layer, right? Because banks are still banks are still banks. Mm -hmm. And so even in the black banking system, I think banks are conservative financial institutions. And if we don't get that part, then we expect we have a different expectation, right? Right. So we want to bank black, which I think we absolutely should. So I want to put that out there. But what does that mean for us? Because if your credit is still fucked up, Mm. you're still not, you know, if you don't have certain other pieces in place, it doesn't matter if it's a black bank or not. They still can't help you. They're still a banking institution. Right. So I think we have to also manage our expectations around what does that actually mean and look at how we create alternative funding sources for the black community because we're in a unique situation. Sure. Sounds good. So as far as uh, additional techniques, what are some other things that you see when you uh, look at a lot of the, the new businesses that are starting up and some of their practices? What are some other things that you see that they're doing wrong or could do better? Um, so I think we just struggle with having with like learning altogether. Okay. Um, not that we not that we don't learn things, but I think that where we struggle um, is. If we don't know something, it's like we're not actively going to find it. Right. So. Like, you know, yesterday I had my vision board party. 150 people come in the room because it's free. If I put out a $25 workshop, right. <laughs> like, it's I ain't paying $25 to go make something. Mm. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's, we, what we do is we're good to go and buy all type of shit that we want. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to pay for education. That's all of a sudden when we need the help. Right. We don't need help to go and get, 
you know, whatever fly clothes we want. We don't need help to go and buy shoes. We don't need help to go and buy TVs. What we need help with is I need help because I can't afford to educate my child. I need help because I can't afford to, you know, buy this class that's going to help me, you know, propel forward. Right. So, um, that's a, that's a sore, a sore spot with me, but also because I really always dig into who we are. I have a lot of grace for us. So I don't get mad, but it does get frustrating. Yeah. I also read that you also help businesses with uh, productivity in terms of help helping them be more, be more productive, efficient. Um, would you like to talk a little bit more about that? So pretty much people just don't meet their goals, right? I mean, we all like, – I'm sure we were all there at one point. I know I've been there. But anybody that you think of, how many people have come up to you and be like, oh, man, I'm about to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they'll never do it, Right. You don't hear from them no more, yeah, or you know, three years me. later they be talking. <laughs> they be talking about the same I'm, thing I'm, three I'm years triggered. later. Right. Yes, right. because it's true. But here's the thing: so ninety-two percent of us don't meet our goals. So to me, this is really this talks about how we think. And so, you know, when I talk about productivity, all I'm really saying is, how do you move from the planning to the action part? How do you move right. from thinking about something? to actually doing something. And for the most part, a lot of it takes accountability. You talked about this. You you switch gyms. <laughs> <laughs> you switch your gym because you're essentially you're looking for a greater sense of accountability. Yes. Right? And um, if we don't have that accountability, most of us are do not have the internal discipline to follow through with what we say we want to do. That's and that's right. because our brains don't work that way. So quite literally, our brains fight against us. Um, we think in this way like we have control over the way that we think. Mm-hmm. But how many times have it been like, okay, you'll say, I'm going I'm to work out, right? Yeah. I, I know I want to get in shape. I'm going to work out. And so, as soon as you like say, me. I'm going to work out, it's almost like instantly your brain will tell you all the reasons why right now is not, not the time to work out. Yeah. You know what? I'm tired. It's I got cold. this to do. I got that to do. Exactly. That happens instantly it's because our brain like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, can't I work get, out today. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Weight's too um, heavy. Right, right. And Working when we out do hurts. that. <laughs> it's like our brain is protecting us from doing something that's difficult. So mm. we we always choose like naturally you're going to choose the easy route. Right. And the easy route is never going to take you where you really want to go. So you Message. have to understand that and then once you understand that you can start putting things in place in order to help you circumvent the way your brain thinks. It's like you have to trip up your own triggers because your brain is going to default into protecting you by doing the easy thing. Right. So and what so, it, or my bad. Oh, yeah, how right. do you how do you help someone train their brain to get on that path? Because, I mean, you get so stuck in your way, especially after a certain age. It's mm-hmm. kind of just like, nah, this is the way things are. How do you help someone with that? So <clears throat> you really got to start digging in. First of all, you got to understand, like, what are their individual issues? Mm-hmm. But then also some of it is shedding light on it, right? So, like, one of the first things I usually do with somebody, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to talk with you, find out what it is that you actually say you want to do. And I'm going to ask you why you ain't doing it. You're going to give me all these reasons. I promise you one of the number one things is I don't have time. That's Back. bullshit. Mm. Everybody got time to do what they want to do. Now but I'm feeling triggered. But I, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. Right, yeah. But I don't so the first time. thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to do is a time audit for one week. Mm. Right. And that's a hard. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And when you do that time audit that you didn't have time for, you're going to feel really some kind of way. Like I got people who don't even want to turn in their time audit. They'd be like, I was on some bullshit. 
people be like, oh, I spent an hour watching TV. I was on social media. I took a nap. I mean, there's all types of things. I woke up at this time. You know, one day they took 30 minutes to get ready. Another day they took two hours to get ready. So yeah. what's the difference? What was you doing in them two hours? How could you get ready in 30 minutes? How you get ready in two hours, it's right? Painful. Right. It's painful. It's painful to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so something, is, something is going <laughs> right. on in there. And at the end of the day, if you want to do something. So here's what I also find. Somebody will say, well, I don't have time. Um, but, you know, I went out on date night. I went out on, uh, you know, I spent time talking to my family. Um, you know, I was over here. Uh, I went to this event, right? So what happens is, is that they they have prioritized those things. There's nothing wrong with date I night. Was about I don't to wanna... say it's your priorities. Exactly. Right. So let's say so. Okay. So if you are married or you are, you know, uh, actively dating, and date night is important, that's cool. But then maybe you have to have that conversation with your significant other and say, listen, we're trying to get here. Right. So instead of us having date night every week, let's have date night twice a month. Mm. And now we're in agreement. So it's not like you're not prioritizing. Prioritizing it, but you're also acknowledging that if we keep putting four hours into date night every week, now we're missing 16 hours that we could have put towards something else that we really say we want to do. Right. So where are we sitting at? How and it's not forever, right? So maybe we say six months we're gonna put a hold on date night, but instead together we're gonna work on reaching our goals. So in six months we come back to date night, but we're also three steps further than where we say we want it to be. Mm, that's real. I think I've even uh just read about a, a lot of the things that successful people or even wealthy people have in common is just their ability to manage time and manage money. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Those two things. It's it's crazy. Um, I use that screen time feature now on iPhone. I just started using it. It makes a difference. And I'm like, that cuts you off so you can't get on. But something. it's like how you said, like when you do that time mm-hmm. audit and you kind of realize how you're spending your time. So like now they'll show you how many times you picked up your phone throughout the day. You know, how long you've been on a certain app or whatever how much time you spend doing this that 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 like i looked at that and was like yo what how am i spending this yeah. much time on my phone so like i made myself i set the limits and then i like blindly typed password <laughs> so it just takes me out in a like I, I made it so that my phone sleeps after a certain time at mm-hmm. night and wakes up before i wake up whatever mm-hmm. but like just knowing that like, I could feel the difference. Like, now I can't just blindly scroll down Instagram and Facebook for an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because so, it goes by quick. You yeah. Look up and you'd be like, wait, where did all my time go? Right? So. And it's the same with money. Like, once you really actively budget and look at your budget, I'd be like, yo, I'm not as broke as I think I am. Right. <laughs> my you money just goes Look at how much money you spent just spending out, you know, eating out. like Getting you know. coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's deep. I'm about to time out it myself. Yeah. And so when you do that, you know, I guess that's usually where I start with folks. Mm. And that gives us like a whole basis because now we can address what you mindlessly do. Right. And so then I start getting into the idea of you have to be mindful. Like that's a practice to actively think about and make decisions on everything that you do. Right. Because it's always a trade off. So literally with every single thing that you do, if you're going to live intentionally, you have to ask yourself, is this moving me closer towards my goals or it's not? Mm. And um, and oftentimes, like what we have to give up stuff. I have a client right now. I'm, I'm like this close to being like cut choir out. Right. It's not because I don't think that choir is important. But what is choir actually adding to your life? Right. You know, and I think that sometimes that's kind of hard for us to wrestle with, right? I have friends there. I enjoy it. It's something I like to do. But you said you want to do, you know, these things. Um, does choir fit anywhere in that picture right. for you? 
So every week you got three hours, four hours wrapped up inside a choir and you telling me you don't have time to work on this goal that's important to get you out this job that you hate. Mm-hmm. So cut choir. It, you get you get, you know, where you want to be and you really free up your time and you got life moving how you want to. Right. You can make a decision, an intentional decision decision to go back to choir if you really love it that much. Sacrifices. So mm-hmm. it sounds like sounds like the military <laughs> really gave you the sense of discipline or were you always this way um i definitely don't think i was always this way but i will say that the military gave me a sense of leadership which is a level of responsibility Mm. when people are looking to you that makes you have to examine yourself if you do leadership with integrity so if you don't want to just act like a leader in the spotlight but you want to be able to truly have like internal integrity and say this is what i do this is the way i live and So when I'm standing in front of you and I'm giving you, you know, this guidance or I'm giving you this instruction that, you know, that I'm not just, you know, that person who's going to try and send you out in front of, you know, wherever. And I'm not willing to go there. Um, I think that boosts your ability to lead correctly. And I believe that people can really sense that. So you don't have to work at um, getting a follower. You know, people will begin to naturally follow you because you begin to empower them and then they feel the integrity come out in that. Mm. So I would say that the military probably gave me that sense of um, what a, what a really good leader looks like and then what a really shitty leader looks like. Mm. Right. Do you, um, do you at times feel the, the duality that comes with being a part of the military and being black? Um, and a woman. <laughs> all of those yeah. um no well so i'm not active anymore okay. um so i i left the military i did about four years active four and a half in the guard and then i left so i haven't been in the military for almost um a decade now i might be aging myself or i guess to or i guess to, or i guess to clarify a little bit more when, when we see what's happening in the media especially with uh the nfl and call and colin mm-hmm. kaepernick and how patriotism and pro-military seems to put itself on one side and then being black on the other. Hmm. So, so first I don't, I don't get that sense in the Colin Kaepernick fight or the example of that, because um, you might like the military is full of everyday people at the end of the day. Right. Right. Um, You know, I think when we think military, we're like thinking combat, but at the end of the day, the military is a fully self-sufficient system. Mm -hmm. So everything from the cooks to the janitors, to the doctors, to the lawyers, everybody can come in. So really when you see everyday people, if you were to come on base, it would almost be the same type of a situation. Right. Right. Um, So inside of that dynamic, you're going to have people who are less educated. You're going to have people who are, you know, highly intellectual. Then you're going to have those folks who are, for instance, Trump supporters, right? Mm -hmm. So they might be the ones who are saying um, that what Colin Kaepernick is doing is disrespectful. But at the end of the day, the whole idea is that um, you're free to choose what you want to do. Mm. And my exactly. my job, what I sign up for, is then to fight for your freedom, right? Right. Now that part is the is really the part that's bullshit and propaganda because at the end of the day, the military is really the strong arm for whatever the country has decided to do, mm-hmm. not really to sign up for your freedoms, which is probably the paradigm shift that I had with the military and why I um 
why I definitely take advantage of all the things that I fought for because I was there and I did, you know, fight for those things. But um, it's like you go in with this idea that you're here to fight for your country. Like I went into the military after 9-11. So I knew I was going to war when I went in. Mm. But I felt like that was an injustice situation. And then I was also in, in Iraq when it came down, oh, there's no weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So now we're all asking, well, what, what the hell am I here for? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's when you start to see a different way that the military actually operates, because right. now you have troops that are there and they don't really even know if we're not here for what weapons of mass destruction. Why are we here and why can't we go home? And now we begin to see like a different way that the military operates. Man. Wow. That's my. I don't want to say issue with the military because that sounds like a hot take, but that's why I would never be involved with the military, mm-hmm. because on one hand, you're fighting for freedom. But on the other hand, you don't have the freedom to choose what you're fighting for, if exactly. that makes sense. Because once you get in the military, you lose those freedoms that you're fighting for. Well, so it's, <laughs> more, it's more like a propaganda. That's what I'm saying. Prop- yeah. I'm using the term mm-hmm. propaganda on purpose because yeah. that's really what it is. Like a recruiter is going to come to you and talk about how you can do your, your, you know, your patriotic duty for the country. Mm-hmm. But really what that means is you're going to do what the country has directed exactly. is the right thing to be doing. And the reason why America in a lot of senses is hated all over the, the world is because America um, comes in and, and, and does their agenda. Mm-hmm. So, at the time when I joined the military, I didn't have all that information. Right. Um, so you're listening to a very, um, a very compelling, you know, storyline that kind of pulls on your heartstrings about this is your country mm-hmm. and this is you know this this is your your duty when you live here to make sure that we have all these freedoms. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you haven't really recognized that black people don't have those same freedoms, right? right. Um, if you don't really recognize that women don't have the same freedoms, if you don't recognize that um, if you if you're not if you're not able to recognize that we're not actually out here protecting our freedoms from anyone. There's no one trying to remove freedoms from the United States. Right. So we're not really protecting our freedoms. We're really right. just doing what our government wants us to be doing in order for us. And that's to where it gets sticky because it's just exactly. like anytime you just mention soldiers or military or anything like that, they're like, "Well, they're fighting for the country." Like, yeah, you're fighting for the country, quite literally. Exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. not fighting for right. the country to remain. Like, who's gonna? Our military alone, out. You know, you combine what we have, mm-hmm. we would be up against damn near the entire world mm-hmm. for them to make an impact. So. Who's who's attacking America? Right. Mm. You know, they might be attacking American ideologies. They might be attacking American ideas. Right. Um, but a lot of those are propaganda as well. So mm. I always say from the outside looking in. It's what we call patriotism or being patriotic and the good guys on our side. We're the bad guys to everybody else. Exactly. So. But you don't get that if you don't ever leave, right? (laughs) And you got people who don't leave Denver. Like, I know black folks who, like, I've never been past Red Rock site. Right. So if you don't, if you can't. Gotta travel. (laughs) Right. If you don't get out, you you lose a lot of perspective. I mean, a a ton of perspective about how Americans are seen um, from the outside looking in. And then you lose perspective on life because you feel like the way that we are is the way that everything is or the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what America's problems problem is, is because it goes into these other countries and it tells them you need to be more like us. Right. And when they fight against that, it's like, 
you know, it, it's almost like we're demonizing a country for wanting to keep their culture, wanting mm-hmm. to keep their heritage, um, or just flat out disagreeing with the American way of life, which doesn't work for uh, the vast majority of Americans. Mm. Well, Especially black people. Since we're Especially on the, black people. Since we're on the subjects of uh, hot takes, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, we got something spicy. I mean, Kevin Hart. Ah, uh, yeah. Man. Oh, my God. Sips a little bit of coffee. You know what? <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and... Uh, for, for, for those who have not been uh, privy to what has been going on in the world of Twitter... <laughs> the uh, world of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin Hart was recently um, asked to host the Oscars until... His old tweets from 2009 were dug up. Dun, dun, dun. From 2009? And as as many people from 2009, uh, his (laughs) tweets were, uh, there were homophobic (laughs) tweets. Mm. And he was uh, essentially asked to apologize. Initially, initially, Kevin Hart said, I'm not going to apologize. I already, one, I already did apologize about these tweets. Years ago. Years ago. Mm -hmm. And have since then changed my behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. Which he has. And then uh, Kevin Hart stepped down from uh, hosting. hosting the Oscars yeah. and, and then still apologized. Yeah, that's the part that he didn't have to apologize again after blatantly saying, I'm not going to apologize. So before we before we get into this, let me preface it with uh, we don't have a desire to say disparaging things against the LGBT, against Jewish people. Against Muslims, against go ahead and put that disclaimer out. Against they're gonna dig this episode up once the bad comes. And against <laughs> black, white, Asian, Latino, Hispanic. How about living things? And we 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 <laughs> do things living. Anything that is alive <laughs> or dead. If you're a deadist, I don't I don't know. There's all <laughs> we, we do not have a desire Animals, to, to say disparaging things. Period. Let alone do we wish for a time where we could say those things freely. We, we don't necessarily care about those things. But we do care about truth. We do yes. care about truth. Sometimes truth Absolutely. Hurts. Absolutely. Now let's get that out the way. Now let's yeah. talk about it. <laughs> now we say whatever we want. Um, so removing the fact that it's Kevin Hart, because a lot of people just don't like Kevin Hart, and, and that's Nick, what a lot of this uproar is about, is and, the fact that it's Kevin Hart. And Nick Cannon mm. just recently, he, he dug through some uh, uh, white female comedian tweets like yeah. um, Chelsea Handler, mm-hmm. Sarah Silverman. And saw and you know found some homophobic tweets that they had made. That's the thing, man. Listen, if you search back, you're going to find something. Yes. Like the way those tweets were posted, they specifically searched the word gay yep. along with Kevin Hart and found anything he ever said with the word gay in it. Right. That's lame for one. Why are you doing that? Who has time to do that? Like and you go back almost ten years though? Ten years? Like think where you were at. In your life, 10 years ago, be it positive, negative, like you were a different person. However, it's... it's and a, it was a different culture. And even if, it, <laughs> even if it's a different culture or a different time, it wasn't okay then. It wasn't okay t- to 10 years ago or 20. Uh-huh. <laughs> it wasn't okay, but nobody had an issue with it during that time. And that's my problem. So, or like, maybe enough people didn't have an issue with it. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Right. By yeah. The yeah. Way. Yeah. But why wait until this man's in this position being granted one of the biggest opportunities of his life to tear him down? Like, this was 2009. 
back in 2009 when it got 30 likes or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It mm-hmm. wasn't all, oh, we about to cancel this dude. Like, mm-hmm. people was laughing, like, oh, my God, this is funny. And it helped mold him into what he is now. Then he gets to this pinnacle, which we can get into what that pinnacle is and the racial side of that. And it's like, oh, no, you out of here, buddy. <laughs> like, I've done. Chris Rock hosted. Didn't he host the uh, – yeah, he did host the Oscars. He hosted Oscars. And that was when. We're going to pull up everything Chris Rock has ever said. Yo. Eddie right. Murphy. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Man, Eddie Murphy has been. I think he has been quiet for this long for that exact reason. Have y'all y'all seen Delirious? You've seen Raw. Eddie Murphy said some shit. <laughs> so I don't. Man, I'm not with it. I'm not. I'm not with it. I'm not apologizing for nothing I said in 2009. Well, I think that we don't acknowledge <clears throat> that people get to evolve. We won't let people evolve. Right. Mm. It's just that culture where, where people aren't allowed to grow, and that's what I'm against. Like that's why I say remove Kevin Hart. The fact that you can build, 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 and get yourself into a position financially, just mentally, where you're able to take care of yourself, provide for your family. And this is all just off him telling jokes, being a comedian, expressing himself. That's all he was doing back then. But yep. the fact that somebody could just pull up a tweet and all that is stripped away is crazy. Like, Because even if he didn't acknowledge it, like the fact that it's out there, he kind of had to step down. Like, right. Now you're done because of trolls. I know. Well, I think we have to fight that a little bit harder <laughs> we at do. this point because it's too easy um, for anyone who wants to come in and, like you said, tear down the work that you are mm-hmm. doing. I just had a conversation with a friend about this recently because um, there's a, a a guy, and everything isn't solidified yet, so I'm not going to say who it is, but there's a platform I have an opportunity um, to get on that's a pretty large platform. And so then it was brought to my attention, like some of the stuff that, you know, has happened in the past. And I said, it's interesting how mentally we know you can't say perfect, right? If yeah. I say that you're not perfect, it's like, duh. But we still expect perfection mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. any flaw we're going to try and highlight and just blow up and, you know, really be like, see, look, look what you did. Like, but we've already acknowledged I'm not perfect. Right. So, you know, there's that duality that I think mentally we struggle to get over, that people are people, we're fallible. Um, However, we will say that we don't expect them to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. we actually do expect people to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the things that I've done to alleviate that for me, I've started doing like just little Facebook lives, like just being transparent. Like, here's where I fucked up about some shit, because you're not going to come back to me and tell tell me about something that I did. Like, uh, I already know that I did whatever it is right. that I did, right? But that's what I... If you live your uh, truth, no man. one can use it against you. Exactly. exactly. But that's what I don't like. And I mean, I know there's nothing we could do about that now in today's society because everybody's life is on display. Yeah. I don't but we like, put our lives on display. That's a fact. I don't like the fact that we have to clarify everything. Mm. Like, we can't just live anymore. Mm. Especially... It's like I feel bad for like the younger people because it's like man like if we had social media and just people on us the way like when we were in high school middle school you know what I mean like yeah sips drink <laughs> like career be over yeah like people find out about something you did in school and like it's a problem at school so now you got the world and we don't we won't allow you to grow that happened when you're 15. You're 25, it's going to come back. You're 35, you're 45 in a position of power. Remember that time you said nigger? <laughs> like, right. Like, come on, man. Like, when are we going to just let each other live? Which should also be a testament to 
being more uh, aware of the things that you say and do because that I disagree with too. Be- what? You shouldn't be aware of the things that you say. And if do? you're young, but even, but even if you're young, because I think that we have to teach our our children that hey, you could say something. But what if it's really how you feel? And it it could also stick with you for the rest of your life. But really, but what if that's how you feel? Like if in that moment, mm-hmm. in your heart, in your mind, you feel a way, you want to say something, you want to express something to you, even if it may be socially unacceptable, if that's how you feel, I'm not going to tell you not to say it. But Well, I think that's actually really important. I, I, I agree with both of you. Okay. But I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a tie them in mm. because... First of all, especially with youth, especially with youth, because their minds are still developing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the the day your kid is like, I hate you, like that day they might like for real hate you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I remember even just as I as I grew and developed, like I didn't always have the best relationship with my mom. I can look back now as a mother, um, as um, – in my thirties, I can look back <laughs> and what I, I can recognize things now that my mom did the best that she could. Right. And my mom was like, never a bad mom. We just have always had a different way that we think. Right. Um, but I can look back and see that. Right. So if my mom held against me, all the things that I said to her, right. Just as one example, it would be like, Oh my God, because I've said and thought some really horrible things that I really meant at that time. Right. But also I think that there is something to the fact that we, we, um, if we're too censored because we're afraid to speak our mind, whatever that might be at that time, mm-hmm. um, I think there's something to what happens internally, right? And we exactly. see that with men specifically because men are not taught to be emotional. Men are not, you know, it's it's not manly if you cry. It's not manly if you have these emotions or feelings about something, especially, you know, really passion. So you can have like passionate anger, but you can't have like passionate um empathy or you can't have, mm-hmm. you know, passionate love, right, without being seen as unmanly. So what happens is, is that we're seeing the effects of that as men begin to grow, what we're calling like this sense of like toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not a feminist in any way. But what I understand is that some of this is is the residue of trying to tell people to bottle up how you feel. Exactly. And now we're trying to tell everyone to a certain extent you have to bottle up how you feel. Now, on the flip side of that, I think it's important for us to think about um, having and seeing empathy from other people's perspectives. Right. So there is that part of saying think before you speak or think before right. you do. Um, and if you really feel that way at that time, I think there's conversation that could be had around that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, also the fact that we still have to allow people to express themselves because if we have them to bottle it up, we're going to be dealing with a whole nother set of type, uh, yeah. of emotional and mental illnesses down the line. It's tricky. But I mean, like at the end of the day, humans are humans. Mm-hmm. And we can't just hold people to these imaginary standards and just want people to be and do and say what we want them to be just because that's how we in the group think wants it to be. Like, no, like I'm a person. And like even when we're talking about the the whole comedians and apologizing, Mm -hmm. like the way I'm saying that no comedian should have to apologize, that applies to all comedians of all genders, of all ethnicities, like – if they said it for one, if it was a joke, comedians should be vetoed from, you know what I mean? Like, it's a yeah. joke. They're the last people on earth that should still have that just complete range of free speech because they're giving perspectives of the world. They're holding the mirror up to the world. But, but Ro- Roseanne, what's boy's uh, name? Kramer, whatever. Like, 
the fact that they apologize after this doesn't change the fact that that's how they feel. So, right. <laughs> and like I was saying, I, I tell my kids this when they get in trouble and like they have to apologize or like the teacher is like, you know, say sorry to so-and-so. I'm like, are you saying sorry because you got in trouble or are you sorry? Right. And nine times out of 10, you're saying sorry because you got in trouble. <laughs> so, right. I mean, like we got to let people be people, man. Yeah. I, I, I think that especially now, um, uh, I, I mean, ultimately, the, the pendulum swings both ways. I mean, the, the reason why we're seeing society the way that it is now is because at one point there was a time where anyone could say anything and there was no uh, recourse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you could say any slur or anything that was disparaging to, you know, any minoritized group and there was no consequence for it. So now we are living in a time where now, you know, it, it's ca- it's now catching up with people. It's now those boundaries are being uh, are being put on society, but I, I think hopefully, or not even hopefully, but eventually, we'll see those boundaries begin to uh, redefine again. And mm. it, it won't—I don't think that it will always be as strict. I think that once it once it turns out, once everyone gets to a point where, um, or society gets to a point where we realize that everyone feels a way about something or someone that may be considered politically correct, then it will, then it will balance out. The universe right. always balances out. Yeah, it's like course correcting. Yeah. Well, I hope it balances out soon because everybody's offended <laughs> about everything, man. Yeah, graffiti is ready to get these slurs off. Man, I'm about to say, man, like y'all don't understand. I mean, like it ain't even slurs. It's just like now I'm and like you were saying, like internally the effects that it has, I'm so aware of the things I'm about to say, which is good and bad, because it's kind of taken away from who I am. Right. Because I don't want to say the things that I feel like saying because I know I might offend somebody. Where on the flip, it's like I can't control that you're offended. Like if I'm not just blatantly disrespecting somebody and right. they're offended by something I say, like I can't really help that. Well, I think too, it's like finding your tribe, right? Hmm. Um, I have my homegirl Michi X, like. <laughs> She has said some off-the-wall things. (laughs) However, she's also found this group of people who have really embraced her, right? Right. Um, And she has said, like, she says some very bold stuff. Like, and what's interesting is, like, every time she says something big and bold, you have somebody who'd be like, I was thinking that same thing, but they was afraid to say it, right? And that's usually how it is, So she's giving voice to that. Now, of course, she has, you know, she gets kicked off of Facebook regularly, banned 30 days, came on two days, banned 30 days. It's (laughs) like, you know, and so, it, you know, in certain senses, her being so vocal about how she feels has also damaged her ability to, um, you know, to go on her platform, right? But that's also why it's important for us to start owning our own platforms, right? Mm -hmm. We're on Facebook's platform. Well, Facebook gets to dictate their rules, and we already know that Facebook's rules are biased, right? Right. So, um, you know, I think that those are opportunities that, you know, sometimes we look at them as not being being fair. I I say we need to have better opportunities um, or look at those things as opportunities so that we can provide our own platforms so we have a bigger better, stronger voice. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that same reign, you know, she has a ton of people who hate on everything she says. Oh, you're, you know, you're racist. You're, you know, you're this. I mean, all types of everything. Right. So the the question then is, if you speak your truth, are you okay with the fallout from that? If I speak how I really feel, I know that it's going to resonate with some people and it's going to not resonate with others. Am I okay with those who it doesn't resonate with? Right. And also, it's not. This isn't a new thing. Like we can't. We already know. Like we can't go to work or to our jobs and just say how we feel. 
without there being any sort of uh, action or, or consequence to it. So it's 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 nothing new. Yeah, I don't know. Colin Kaepernick, he went to his job and said how he felt. Ooh, that was producer Julius. He said Colin Kaepernick went to his job and said how he felt. Right, and but we you see know the effects of that. I'm about to say that's the thing. We say we can't because we believe we can't. But look at the people that have. Like, now I'm not talking about if you just go to Burger King and start spazzing out while you fl- <laughs> flipping burgers. Like, nah, that's a little different. The colonizers. <laughs> yeah, but if you're in a position where your voice is gonna make an impact and you go to work and you voice that opinion, those are usually the ones that change things. So I want to challenge that. Because I think we often think that we can't do something. Mm-hmm. And I think really what we have to recognize is that in all things, we have a choice. Mm-hmm. But you have to be prepared for what the fallout of that choice is, right? So I couldn't say what I want to say on my job. I don't have a job now. Liberated myself from that. Yep. Now, what happens to me then as an entrepreneur is I still have, like, you know, up and down months, right? When I had a job, I knew exactly what I was getting in every month. It was never a thought about making sure all my stuff is covered. Now I got to get out here and, you know, promote and plug and do, right. you know, all the things I got to do. I got I I eat what I kill, right? Absolutely. Um, but I also don't have to give a fuck what I say. Absolutely. I also get to wake up every day and be in complete freedom and hey. choice of who I am. So it's always this trade-off, and I think sometimes we we box ourselves in and say, I can't do this. And what I push to people is that you can, you have to make a choice. You just got to deal with the trade-off of that choice. Mm-hmm. And you said something right there because I'm in that same boat just as an entrepreneur. But I think people rely on that comfort. Mm-hmm. Like It's just like, all right, got a job, getting paid every two weeks, boom, 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 just going with the flow of things. And so, like you said, you're putting yourself like in your own little mental cage with that because it's like, well, damn, if I go here and do this, I don't have a job no more. And they start to own you that way. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. That's why we call it the plantation, right? Like- <laughs> Brothers and sisters, free yourself. But I will say in terms of the, the Kevin Hart situation <clears throat> is that uh, my, my biggest gripe with it is how it is not equally enforced. Yeah. That's all things black folks. And, and, and no, and it certainly does happen to white people as well, but. But it just doesn't happen to everyone equally because I think if we were – if everyone were to put their cards on the table, once again, there would be something disparaging or something um, not PC or not within etiquette. And then what would we say to all of our people if we if – because we, we can each you know uh, go on Twitter and look up each other's yeah. Twitter names and certain keywords – and and even if I mean you're gonna find something that offends somebody. Yeah, but even if you're not tweeting, like let's look into these trolls that do this. Yep. So someone that had the time to sit there and pull up Kevin Hart's 2009 tweets clearly isn't as busy or productive as right. as Kevin Hart. <laughs> right. So you got someone that's not doing. I won't say not doing anything. I don't know who this person is, but someone that's not making the impact that Kevin Hart or anyone in the world is making. And they have your life, your career in their hands just like that. And we give power to that. And that's why I didn't like that Kevin apologized again, because initially he was like, I'm not going to give power to the people that are trying to tear me down. I already apologize. Mm-hmm. Be it what it may. And then you come back and you're like, well, I'm sorry. Like that kind of, you gave the power to the trolls, man. But it's not just the trolls. I think we got a whole, other folks are responsible, right? Yeah. If you came and brought me some shit from somebody from fucking 10 years ago, I'm going to get you and be like, get out of here with that. Right. 
That's not that has, has no importance to me. Yeah. So I think also like the troll. I think we get we give power to the trolls when we allow for those things that they are bringing up to take the forefront of the exactly. conversation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like if Kevin could have just not said anything. But like I said, like even the fact that it was out there, it looms and it already ruined whatever was about to happen. But when these scandals and stuff come up, just don't respond. Don't say nothing. Right. Just let it rock because yeah. people still going. But he's a comedian. Only yeah. one black comedian can shine at a time. <laughs> so they had to get Kevin. Yo, here. Dwight Howard is doing a great job of not responding. And, <laughs> and in a few weeks, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. I think he got it, medication. Nah, nah, I mean, it as in <laughs> it as in the the scandal. Okay, yeah, yeah quote unquote. It's um, gonna be with him for a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you feel about um, Avengers? Avengers trailer, dope and depressing. Have you guys seen it? No. I've not seen the trailer yet. Okay, all right. I don't have I'm cable. not. I'm not judging you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll say I don't have cable. You, got, you, have, you have a phone. You have YouTube. Well, you know yeah. what? You know I'm not. Have you watched any, any of the Marvel? <laughs> you about to get in this comic no, bag? Now, listen, now I am, I'm a Marvel fan, Are so I don't even have me? to watch the trailer because I was already going to go see the movie. Okay. I am a Marvel fan, okay, big Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Marvel movie then? Um, so Marvel you want fan. me to say you want me to say Black Panther? Is because, it Black Panther? No, it's not. Um, although Good. the the aesthetics of Black Panther was like, yeah, um, it's not Black Panther. I don't know. It'd probably be like. It it would be one of the adventure movies because I like when they all come together, all their personalities come together. Right. So I don't know, maybe, maybe like the first one. I was like the okay. Yeah, I like. Um, or maybe when Hulk smashed. Uh, what's his name? Loki. Loki. Yeah, the homies. <laughs> when Hulk smashed Loki, that might have been like my favorite moment that one ever. Hulk smashed the homies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to double back on something you said. Yep. Uh, we were just talking about platforms owning your own and just speaking your voice let's talk about your podcast a little bit Ooh, okay let's get into it um so i started a podcast because i want to talk about wealth and mindset Mm. um so here's the thing like systems matter a a lot and history is huge right i think we can never move forward without having some acknowledgement of historical past right um I don't profess to have all the answers, especially when it comes to building systems. I think that black people cannot be liberated without creating our own systems, period. So I think we have to look at banking systems, financial systems, um, schooling systems. I started a homeschool co-op. I pulled my kids about the the school system. And then I started a school with a couple other moms um, that meets every Friday to talk about cultural enrichment for our children, right? Um, So I am a person who says, if I don't like this, I have a choice. I don't have to be here. Right. And then if I pull out, then the question is, how do I engage us in a way that is more systematic or more community minded for others who feel the same way? So um, the podcast is really to talk about wealth building and mindset uh, because I don't think we think about wealth building. And I try not to call it about wealth or I try not to say like wealth building because for a whole group of us, as soon as you say wealth, we don't think we can have wealth right. and we just turn off, right? So I said, okay, well, we're going to boss up. Um, So the mindset piece is so important. Like, it's really mindset over everything. If you can't change the way you think, you can never change the way that you live. And so I think we have to start beginning to see things in a different light. And to do that, we have to know where we come from. We have to have some idea about where we're going. And we have to be able to look internally and acknowledge how we're thinking today and how we need to shift that thinking in order for us to take steps forward. So I try to talk about those things that um, I think we don't want to talk about, yeah. you know, so some of it is kind of boring, like, you know, life insurance. Who wants to talk about that? 
But yeah, Connect for Help Colorado does. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Check it out at connectforhealthco.com. Hey, but yeah. <laughs> but um, but when you are so one, if you have been on the receiving end of a family member dying and they didn't have life insurance, like think about all think about what that has done to the family, right? And how that puts you in a in a in a really bad spot, right? I don't want to see no more GoFundMe's for Facts. black folks who have died unexpectedly because that's kind of how death happens most of the time yeah. mm-hmm. and we don't want to talk about it and so because we don't want to talk about it, we're going to stick our head in the sand no the fuck we not but if you want to talk about it from how you protect your family okay but then also then why don't we talk about it from how these rich ass white folks is sending over life insurance policies because they're not taxed right mm. i die i'm gonna leave you five million untaxed dollars wow mm-hmm. it's real it's crazy that you brought up the schooling too that's really dope um Cause that's one. That's something that I always have internal conversations with myself about. It's kind of just how we always say the system, and like the we're trapped in the system, but we don't really think about what that is. Like mm-hmm. just you know, from a child to an adult, the way things are processed and the, the routines that we are, are just deemed normal. The public school system gets you ready for the real world. I remember teachers used to always say that we're school, right. just getting you prepared for the that's real bullshit. world. Now, as an adult, when I'm really thinking back, and now that I have children in school, like still looking at how they learn the same things that we learned, I'm like, we didn't learn shit that got us ready for today's world. And we have to acknowledge the fact that the world is different for black people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, people don't like, like, even the way my voice just changed, like, that's, it feels touchy, but it's just a fact. Like, the way you're teaching my children in this public school is formatted for the American (laughs) dream or whatever. And that that vision isn't the same for black people. So it's like as a parent, you have to teach that and you have to install that in your children. But then they go to school for eight hours a day and it's no, this is Christopher Columbus, blah, 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 blah. And then you graduate. You don't know nothing about taxes. You don't know nothing about credit. You don't know nothing about wealth building. You don't know nothing about insurance. And it's you like. You don't even know how the grocery store works. Right. You know nothing about your culture if you're black. Right. Um, you know all about. <laughs> everything else but the history books weren't written in our favor so that's we, a, i think that's a good segue so what are the things that we should be teaching our kids either in conjunction with or uh, opposite of what the public school system teaches i think everything mm-hmm. um so the way that i've approached so first of all my my approach to learning has been has been um it's it's an evolution process right now so Mm -hmm. uh where i started like when when you first pull your kids out of school you think i'm gonna do school at home like how they do school and then you realize that's really detrimental to you and the kid you about to pull your hair out they are crying like it doesn't (laughs) work right right so um so from the way that i know most people are not doing um school at home so then you start to change your paradigm to what does this look like so how do we create more of an individualized learning process for our kids and then also instill in them what they should learn um so i guess what i would where where i would go with that is uh we have to teach our kids so actually let me break it down like this so this does not come from me this actually comes from dr boyce Watkins and his platform and i don't know who invented it over there but this is what what he talks about and i embrace this um So I think he calls it like poise, right? So he talks about how you have to be a producer versus Mm -hmm. a consumer. Mm -hmm. I think we have to teach our kids that. Um, So O is for ownership. Um, I is for investor. 
S is for a saver, and E is for entrepreneurial. Mm. Even if you're not an entrepreneur, you should think entrepreneurially because entrepreneurs think about how to solve problems, right? Right. So we basically have to teach our kids how to solve problems. Um, We have to teach our kids about ownership, investments. We have to teach our kids about how to produce something because that's where people make money. That's how people live, not just consume. Right. Um, so I love the whole entire idea around that. Poise, and, that's dope. I like yeah. that. So producer, and that's why, producer ownership, ownership, investment, save, entrepreneur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm again, it didn't come that. from yeah. me, but it was so dope. I rocked with it. Like, yeah. okay, this is cool. <laughs> that's life so, lessons, though. That's everything we should have learned. Exactly. And in all of that, like, what are the different components in that? As well as letting kids kind of, you know, find what they should be. Here's the thing about most black people, right? Black black people are creative. So even if you're intellectual, like, you know, we, we have the we have the whole gambit. But by and large, like as a culture, we are a largely creative culture mm-hmm. and schools are not equipped and set up for that. At all. So if you're a kinesthetic, artistic, musical, like they're dropping those for, programs like. Exactly. It's crazy. And schools are set up for linguistic learners. If you are a person who can listen to a lecture, if you're a person who can read a book and really just glean all of that from there, um, then you would do well in school. Mm-hmm. If you're anywhere outside of that gambit, it's going to be a real tough road for you. Right. And that's the majority of black folks. Yeah. And so I think we have to acknowledge that school is just not set up for us. So um, so for me in my house, I have a tutor for my daughter. Um mainly to teach her math and reading comprehension and writing. I think those are important. And the vast majority of everything else is just kind of us going through the things that she likes to do right now. She wants to be a podcast gamer or not a podcast gamer, uh, a YouTube mm-hmm. gamer. Mm-hmm. Get the bag. Hey. I'm like, all right. So I'm trying to understand YouTube gaming so yeah. that I can like really help assist her and set up her stuff. Right. Um, she just did. She won a business pitch contest um, where she was creating like school supplies. and oh, stuff. So she was doing like notebooks and pencils. Um, so she decided she didn't like that. But um, but it was the process of really like going through it. And part of the reason why she won the business pitch contest is because I drilled her numbers into her. Yeah. So funny enough, her slides ended up messing up and she looked at the slide. It was blank. And then she had to sit there for a second and she thought back through because we sat there and we worked on the numbers. Mm-hmm. So it was boring for her. But in the moment when it when a pinch happened, it was like yeah. she came through. She had all her numbers together. She won her business pitch contest. So I think it's important for us to really start asking ourselves, what is it that has benefited me most? in life um i don't think that certain parts of math have benefited me all that much in life right Same here. but um but i think the idea of how to go and find that information is important mm-hmm. and so i'm not worried if she uses a calculator i'm not worried if she never learns how to use a dictionary that's not irre- that's not relevant in today's life so 10 years ago 20 years ago I needed to look up a dictionary because if I wanted to understand the meaning of a word, that's what I would do. We shun electronics, but we're not going back. So now I don't need you to know how to go and look it up in a dictionary. It's really, truly not a fucking life skill. Yeah. Siri. (laughs) Right. That's what's going to happen forever now going forward. And school isn't structured that way. Exactly. But I don't want her to spend useless time learning how to look up something in a dictionary because I think it's a a life skill for her to be able to go and alphabetize whatever, right? Right. You can put it into a computer. You can highlight it. You can click A through Z and it's going (laughs) to alphabetize it for you. Done. She should have that skill to know how to get something done more so than how I have to manually Resourceful. Exactly. That's yeah. So seriously, to, though, what to learn, how to learn. Yep. How right. To, how to learn. Exactly. And school is more so what to learn because we said this is how you should learn. And then just looking at the parallels between 
when we when you were saying just you know like black people thinking that or just people thinking we can't do something and just being an entrepreneur how you're on your own time you're being accountable we're not bred to be like that like think about it you wake up in the morning you wake your kids up it's this routine they go to school just like how you go to work and you clock in do what you're told be where you're supposed to be clock out go home mm-hmm. schools line you up to do that at work to do that in prison exactly. <laughs> like these is like industrial components that you're just being drilled every day but that's what what makes people mindless mm-hmm. and so like once you you're so used to this when you're 30 plus and you're like you know what i want to own my own business and then you just feel so overwhelmed and scared because you're like i'm my whole life i've been on this routine i've been yeah. clocking in i've been clocking out i've been programmed to do what people are telling me to do whether it's your boss giving you work whether it's your teacher giving you a project once you get out of that pocket you're like oh shit like Right. You need people like, like BBI because like, I don't even know what the fuck. I don't know how to be free. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you get used to working from nine to five and then you get off at five and it's like, oh, I don't have to work anymore. Like, no, yeah. if you if you create a system where, you know, I'm working throughout the entire day. You yeah. Know, I can I can be working at 12 a.m. Mm-hmm. I can be working at 10 p.m. Right. Or I can be working if I if I set it up to where, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not just grinding away for eight hours straight but just spreading it out throughout the day and, and becoming you know i am my my business is something that i don't take off from it's not something that i get off work from yeah. it is it is something that embodies me everywhere i go everywhere everybody that i meet every everything that i do is me and is my business exactly plantation mentality man. a life that you really love right so when we talk about intentional living which is like it's a buzzword but it's not, it shouldn't be a buzzword. It's mm-hmm. just thinking about how do you live this life that you really want to have? Mm-hmm. And then everything that you do, how do you, how does that add to creating that vision? So I want to be free. I don't want to have to clock in, clock out. So I don't, I don't have to do that. Right. But I still have to be disciplined. Um, I have to be disciplined in what I'm doing in order for me to actually be consistent enough to, to make it, you know, do what it does. Right. So one of the things that like I do, this is my brand, right? I dress like this all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and part of that is because almost every shirt that I wear, most shirts that I wear are my brand, right? This is, this is me. I feel that. That's what so I'm talking then about. With, it likes what, it's, what, <laughs> what it says. I'm going to tell you, great, go to BBI. You know, everything that I do is going to promote what it is that I'm doing and that allows me to live this life that I really want to live and I had to start testing that too so like a few weeks ago I spent two and a half weeks in Atlanta because I could because my kids ain't in school right because I work from my computer I move around however I want to move around and I have been saying that but I hadn't been living that I've been taking these little let me go for two days let me go for three days right I said I'm gonna go for two let me go for almost three weeks and see what that looks like to be gone for three weeks how do I still move well Still getting sponsorships, still right. getting people buying stuff, still doing my coaching lessons right from online. You know, my kids are still learning. Like, my whole life hasn't stopped. I'm just doing it in a different place. Mm. So, you know, in 2019, I want to keep moving that forward because I think we have to show people you can really live intentionally. Sounds good. Cool, cool, cool. Man, we're going to have to sit down with you again. That was that was intense. A and lot dope. of gems. A lot of gems. I, st- I still feel like we can get some more, but we're going to wrap it up. Got one final question for you, though. Yep. One piece of advice, knowledge, information you would give to someone um, looking to start a new business or just become an entrepreneur, what would that be? Just kind of just that elevator, do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, invest in yourself. 
Invest in yourself. Invest in learning. Invest in growing. Um, wh- when you do that, no matter what problem that you face, you'll be able to figure out the answer. Mm. I like it. Sounds good. Well, in terms of social media, how can people connect with you? How can people follow you? How can people get in contact with you? Absolutely. So I have two. I have everything, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, BBI Professional, or Jice Johnson. Okay. Right. And also, where can people check out the podcast? At BBI Professional. Uh, actually, no, Boss Up with BBI. So it's on Anchor FM. Okay. Boss Up with BBI. Okay. Word. Let's make some noise for Jice Johnson. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's, let's pay these bills before we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once again, this episode of Life is Dope is brought to you by Mez Brands. Once again, Mez Brands is a vape company that does specialize in uh, recreational cannab- cannabis activities. <laughs> oh, I have to look at the camera when I say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm not good at looking at the camera when I say it. But anyway, you can also uh, find Mez Brands at your local dispensary. Must be Word. 21 and up to consume. Get tuned in, not tuned out. Also, this episode is brought to you Hold by... Hold up, back to Mez real quick. If you like... I get a lot of people that are like casual smokers or like the creatives out there that kind of just smoke to create and you don't really want to be like high, high. Right. You kind of just, you know, need that little inspiration. Or like if you got like headaches and you need to sleep or something, they have different strains for different things. So like... I personally, I like the Mellow and I like Inspire. Okay. Because like I don't, I'm not a smoker. You know what I mean? But right. it's like 50% CBD. So if you just need to relax, calm your nerves, but you're not trying to be classified as a stoner. stoner yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then go ahead and get you some Inspire or some Mellow and you'll be straight. Okay. Yeah. So once again, check out your uh, local dispensary and get Mez. Yep. Also, this episode is brought to you by Connect for Health Colorado. Hey, speaking if, of that CBD, man, get yourself right. Get you some <laughs> insurance. Keep your body good. Man, Connect for Health. Yep. So they're definitely going to be able to help you find uh, good tax uh, tax credits that will help uh, go towards health insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure to also the deadline is coming up to Amen. get health insurance. So don't be don't be caught dead without it. Don't be caught dead. Look at that boy right oh, there. Give little That's a bar. You better write that down. Put the copyright. Let me get the check. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, if you like these fancy duds that we're rocking, you can check it out at lifeisdope.shop. Once again, lifeisdope.shop. If you like the I'm allergic to mediocrity, where could they buy that at? At bbiprofessional.com. Hey, shot black. God damn it. Once again, Friday, December 28th. We're, take, we're taking it. We're going We're going back. Way back. Not even that into far. Time. Not, not that far back. Like, like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like nine or 10 years ago. But yeah, man. The uh, early 2000s party. Yep. 106 and party. At Ophelia's hey, we in got, Denver. We got we got some surprises for y'all for this one, too. Like, mm. We're really going in on the actual theme yeah. of the 106 and party. Early bird tickets are sold out. However, general admission and VIP tickets are still available. Yep. Um, if you're interested in being a sponsor and um, providing prizes or a bag, we will not tell you no. Go ahead and <laughs> hit us up however you can hit us up. Yeah, get in contact with us. Yeah. And we'll do it, man. Y'all know how life is dope parties go. Shouts to Big Styles. Shouts to Ophelia's. It's going down. And if you are a sponsor and would like to sponsor with uh, Life is Dope, your ad can go here. Hey, or your bottle can go on this table. <laughs> <laughs> All of that. Or your, your hat can go on my head. Hey, man. Yeah. Also, be sure we to- saw it out a long time ago, if y'all didn't realize. Yeah, we, yeah, we will advertise if you give us some money. Um, <laughs> follow us on Instagram, Life is Dope. All yeah. one word. 
we our followers they 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 getting up there so yeah man subscribe and share the podcast yes. we got a lot of new listeners a lot of new viewers y'all need to hit that subscribe button um we can promote and push and all that good stuff but if you just hit subscribe you'll just know when we got new content so go ahead and get up on that yeah so if you're wondering where you can check us out at you can check us out on youtube spreaker soundcloud the iheart we all soundcloud uh, we're off SoundCloud. Yeah. Okay, well then go to sp- <laughs> go to Spotify. Then yeah. okay, we everywhere else, man. But we, uh, I sorry, SoundCloud listeners, all four of y'all, <laughs> y'all can y'all can find us anywhere else. Yeah, hey, y'all still on SoundCloud? Man? Yeah, yeah, we off that. Get off SoundCloud. Yeah, shouts to title, man. I'm just putting that in the universe. Hey, shouts to title. Let's get it. Hey, life uh, is no podcast. Oh, you got something else? That's it. We, I'm graffiti, and I'm Davy. Skirt. We out. <laughs> This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glass Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.